Welcome to episode 41 of Lil Muck, a member of the Odd Pods Media Network. This is a tiny slice of the Muck podcast where we talk to people in the media and politics about their favorite stories or experiences. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Today we are interviewing community advocate Emmanuel George of the Black Broward Film Project and the Cistrunk Fair. Hillary, tell us about today's guest. Born in Overtown, Florida, George Emmanuel George spent his childhood years in North Miami and Miami Shores. In 2002 to, through today, he's been living in Hollywood and Dania Beach. His calling to be a voice and advocate for the local black community came after being taken under Valencia Gunder's wing as one of her mentees. Through getting involved in community activism in Miami, he applied and he, what he was ta- he applied and what he was taught in Miami Dade County and brought it to the Hollywood and Dania Beach communities. His passion has always been film and art. He wanted to blend what he loves with community development. Because of his work and dedication to Black Broward, he started the Black Broward Film Project and is the producer of The Cistrunk Affair. Welcome to back to the podcast, Emmanuel George. Yes, I'm thankful. It's an honor to be back, and I'm, I'm excited. I'm here. I'm ready. <laughs> yes, Yay. so you are the first person we've had back as a second time on Little Muck, which I'm yes, so glad about. So, so glad about. The first conversation was amazing, and... Um, I ran into you at an event where we both won awards for the Broward Young Democrats. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, and um, shout out to BYD. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we discussed coming back on because you're here now a year later working on more projects and really exciting things in Broward. And I, we just really wanted to um, have you on so you could tell everybody about it. And so a lot of what you're doing right now work centers on oral history where you're interviewing people. Can you tell us about why uh, that is important to get all of this history directly from the source? Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, oral history is something that I've been really getting into lately. It started kind of like around this time last year when I was gearing up to go to Lake Wales. Uh, I was contracted to go to the Lake Wales Museum to do an African American archive project of some sort in their in the in the Lincoln Ave community. So when I when I went up there, I didn't I was kind of like thrown in in the in the water. So I had to figure something out. So as I'm going around um, the Northwest Quadrant, I see a high school called Roosevelt, and well, it's not a, oh, I see a school called Roosevelt, a vocational school. So I end up doing my research. I come to find out that um, that vocational school used to be Roosevelt High School. And Roosevelt High School closed in 1968. Mm-hmm. And I found that interesting because there's a, a school near me called Attics Middle School that closed in 1968. That was once a former high school. So I just decided to structure my oral history project um, mainly centered around um, Roosevelt High School and, and the Lincoln Ave community. And I just decided to be able to do what I was doing up there and bringing it down here because it was just fascinating to me to find out like, okay, well, this school closed at the same year as the school by me um, closed down. And then there's other schools that was closing down. So um, it, oral history is, is really fascinating because it's, it's a means of collecting data, um, you know, just interviewing people and getting their stories. And yeah, and I, and I just really found my niche with it. Uh, you know, like it, it's, it's just fascinating when you're hearing these firsthand account stories and you're knowing that you're doing this for something that's going to be, archive and documented especially with all this stuff that's happening with critical race theory um you know with them trying to make it hard to be able to educate someone um on on history in the schools or even if a private business i'm hearing now with this whole woke act thing Mm -hmm. so now it's like well we have to be able to start documenting history fast and as soon as possible 
and make this accessible to people because there's nothing illegal about doing oral history. One can do oral history on a, an apartment complex, interviewing right. tenants or different things like that. So, yeah, we really have to get into archiving and preserving our stories fast because there's no telling what can happen. So let's kind of um, get ready, you know, and we find our niche. For me, my niche is on black high schools that's no longer here, that, um, that was either forcefully closed down for good or forcefully closed and turned into middle schools or vocational schools. Mm-hmm. So, you know, speaking about that, can you tell us a little bit more about your latest documentary, uh, Stories from Our Ancestors in O2 Atticus High School? Yeah, so Stories to Our Ancestors in O2 Atticus High School. So I want to give a big thank you to my mentor, Dr. Kitty Oliver. Um, she was the, She's the author that wrote the book Race and Change in Hollywood, Florida. And um Thankful to her, you know, um, she told me to apply for this fellowship called with through Encore.org, which was a which is a, a national fellowship centered around bridging generational divides. So um, I got accepted into this fellowship, and that's what got me to do this project that I'm doing right now. And the real project is what I'm calling a mobile archive building program. So that is doing visual oral history interviews. That consists of scanning documents, that consists of collecting artifacts, that consists of doing virtual interviews. Mm. And all of these, all of this data will then be archived at, with the museum and or historical society and or special collections department that I will be partnering with. So it is to be able to go around from community to community and centering oral history stories around black high school that's no longer here. So I started this now with the project on Attics. Attics is a high school um, that's located in Hollywood, Florida, in the Liberia section. Attics is to South Broward as Dillard High School is to Central Broward, mm-hmm. or Blanche Ely High School is to yeah. North Broward. Mm-hmm. And her husband was the principal at Attics. And um, Attics was also then closed down in 1968, and it is now a middle school. Mm-hmm. So I also always found it fascinating because Attic High School um, served the Liberia community, the Northwest Dania Beach community, the Hallandale community, the Carver Ranches community, mm. even certain parts of Davie, and even an area that we now know as Aventura, but it was called Oges. So you had all of these students that was coming to this one high school, but then when the school was forcefully closed down, it then became a middle school, and then the kids started to disperse around. So some black students went to Hollywood Hills, depending on where yeah. you live. Some went to Cooper City that they built a couple years after. Some went to Miramar that was built a couple years after. Some went to Hallandale that was built a couple years after. Some went to South Broward High School, which is my alma mater. So um, yeah, so um, that's the, the, the project was the oral history project. And in the midst of doing this oral history project, um, myself and my cousin Lockenbar, who's a videographer, we went to South Broward together. We decided to make a documentary because we had all of these stories from the pioneers that went to Attic and from the pioneers that um, were part of the first integration wave. And also, we also were having documents that were scanned. We had yearbooks that were scanned. Mm. We had video clips from the 60s of wow. Attic High School in black and white. And we made this very fascinating documentary and it is to serve as a pilot because Attics is just a microcosm to a larger issue. It was North Dade in Opelika that was a black high school that was forcefully closed down. Mm. Mays in South Dade that was forcefully closed down. Carver in Delray that was forcefully closed down. You also had a Roosevelt in West Palm Beach that was forcefully closed down. 
uh, in Fort Pierce, you had Lincoln. You had all of these black wow. high schools that was forcefully closed down. And it was a tragedy, just like how yeah. riots and lynchings were tragedies, just like running highways through black communities were tragedies. Mm. The closing of black high school was also tragic because it impacted the community on an economical level and it impacted the students in many devastating, oppressing ways. Uh, well, and, so yeah. I have two questions about that. First, I want to know why they were, what was the reasoning behind closing? Because you just named at least 10 to 15 schools that were all closed, these, these predominantly black high schools that were all closed. Like, why did that happen? And also, I want to know... Um, you are doing all this, you've, you've made this documentary. How do you find the folks to interview? Do you just go, are you going through yearbooks and like looking in the yellow book, like white pages? Like, how are you finding the people to interview? Hmm. So, um, the, the first question is, um, I'll answer the last question. Then I'll answer the, um, the, okay. the first one prior. Cause I've, um, sort of the first, the last question you mentioned, how do I find people to interview is mainly just, um, I've been involved in the community a lot, um, mm-hmm. you know, commission meetings, you know, yes. different art okay. projects, yeah. different things. So I've been around in South Broward. So many of the elders kind of see my faces, my face quite a lot. I, I, before um, COVID happened, you know, I would go to the Addicts um, alumni meetings mm-hmm. and, you know, and then there was an issue that was happening recently when they were trying to close Addicts Middle School <sighs> and, you know, recently. And then that was, that was a big uproar in the community. So I started, I, I've, I've seen them around and then, um, you know, so I, I've kind of known them for a while and it was just kind of like grassroots and organic. Mm. And now that I've, I've met many of the folks in the Addicts alumni, segregation was real at that time. So they also had a network with some of the um, students from other areas. Wow. They had, they might have had some friends from Dillard, Amazing. Um, from Ely, from Carver. So that, so it just kind of opened me up to a network of, of elders mm. and, you know, and this is, um, um, my, my passion and something that I'm really focusing in on now. And you said the, the other question was, I'm sorry, I might have missed a certain part. The, the other question was, because you had mentioned that you, you, the school in Lake Wales was 1968, Attic's middle school, uh, high school was also 1968. And then you named, you listed like 10 or 15 other high school, black high schools that were closed. What was the reasoning behind that? And what is the significance of 1968 in that time period for why they were closed? So this goes back to the Brown v. Board of Education in 1954, mm. um, which was, um, you know, the desegregation of schools. But then in the South, it took a little while longer. You know, as we know, the South was a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, you know, overt. Yeah. <laughs> so um, in South Florida, you know, it was even later. So um, during that 1966 to 1970 period was when um, there, it, it was to be noted that, that, that many black high schools would then become middle schools to integrate society uh, but okay. what the things we don't talk about is that the white high schools didn't integrate with the black high schools yep. it was mm. always one-sided we had to mm. um close our institutions down and um and i and i can't cite the source right now but there was a source that when when this was happening in the south two hundred and forty thousand black teachers lost their jobs <sighs> and many black teachers who were who um, had to go to an integrated school, had to be able to a lot of times take positions that they may not have wanted. Oh so Miss Johnson might have been the greatest science teacher at Addicts High School, but now, um, you know, she's a custodian or she's a PE teacher Jesus. or something like that. So <laughs> it was able to be able, and it, so it, it made me them uncomfortable. And then they ended up losing um, those positions. Many students at that time, when I talked to Miss Linda Anderson, the um, commissioner in District 2 in Hollywood, she graduated Hollywood Hills in 1970. She graduated, she was in Attic for a while, but then had to, um, you know, finish her last two years at 
Hollywood Hills and the trauma she went through. She was going to an all-black high school with right. all-black faculty and staff, all-black principals. No representation. No representation. And the thing is with these teachers is the teachers lived in the community. Oh. Um, the, the, the deans lived in the community. So it was a real sense of, of unity amongst people. You weren't going to act up because your parents knew the teachers right. or the teachers were probably right. your parents right. or things like that. And well, now um, you're going to... I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, and now you're at a, what was an all-white school. I'm sure they weren't very welcoming to these students. That's traumatic as well. Yes, very. I mean, mm. and even many of the students were um, were split apart. So at this oh. time, it was being dispersed to where um, it was a court doc from the University of Miami where it was to be about 22% black per these integrated schools now. Okay. So you had classes, classes where... It might have been four students in this class, three students, when they were, and the black students were split apart. You couldn't be too close oh to each other. Oh my gosh! When the Anderson was talking about times where she had to use the restroom, she had to go walk around the hallway a few times to go notion to her friend in this classroom to go use the restroom with her because if she went alone, she might have gotten jumped. There were stories about, um, you know, white students throwing stones at black oh. students, all kind of things like that. And another thing to note is like when these schools were closing, they were handpicking some of the the quote-unquote um, tokens, um, oh, Negroes. I don't want to say token Negroes, but the, the selected ones. They would go to the ones that were the intellectuals first or the best athletes first. Mm. Um, you know, um, this, this is talked about in Race and Change in Hollywood, Florida by Dr. Kitty Oliver when South Broward High School, my alma mater, when um, the first time they went to the state champions, championship was when it was when Greg Samuels and, and Andy Warner from Addicts Ends oh. up going to South Broward, and that's when the first time they went to the state championship. Oh. There's a lot of, um, I'm sorry if I'm rambling, but no, there's a no, lot no. of um, impact that happened when yeah. these schools were closing. Never, and and with the teacher, the teacher thing is, I, these mm-hmm. are things that you don't think, you yeah. think about, okay, they're going to integrate these schools, but this the impact on the community, I never would have well, even and also that. the 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 inconvenience, right, is put on the black community. None of the white kids are inconvenienced to have to move anywhere, right, or do anything exactly, and and not face and and it's it's traumatic for for kids to, uh, you know, move in Listen, school like like you know you have your friend group like it's yeah, you know that's my, my, at that age everything yeah. is so important. My son doesn't want to go to a different that. middle school because he doesn't want to be away from his friends. Could you imagine you're like forced like, you're for- and you're in high school, which is a very social time anyway, and to be pulled mm-hmm. away from the teachers that you know, the community that you love, and now you're in a school where you're it's, you can't go to the bathroom, you might get jumped. You're not right. with your and friends. who knows how the teachers are treating you. Oh my gosh, this is horrible, horrible. Yeah, I mean, when when one looks at the the, the impact of closing of, of, of black high schools, um, you know, the the impact last generations upon generations. Yeah. Um, Rodney Collins, who graduated class of '67, was um, speaking about um, when I was interviewing him about how when you look at a school like Dillard um, that stayed as a high school because they organized and and they they the they fought to keep mm. their high school. But when you look at Dillard, they're also able to impact today with their money with yeah. their alumni association yeah. and if, imagine if addicts was to stay a high school and what they would do for their uh-huh. next generation and generation after and generation after um you know so when you look at dillard if they need some if they need um tech gear or they need some computers or instruments their alumni association works together and makes that happen mm. um you know so we look at the impact of closing these, these schools it was it was re- a real fracture and then yeah. when you look at the businesses that was amongst the the community, those were impacted as well because right. many of the students would go to 
the stores and get their snacks for breakfast. Or when it was lunchtime, they were to go off campus and have lunch and, and different things like that. When the school became a middle school, that, low, that slowed down the businesses in the community. Mm-hmm. So it was a real crippling effect. And like you were saying, the white students didn't have to really move that far. Now, you look at an area like Attics where the school is in the community, you might have just had to walk to the school right. or something like that. Now you got to go all the way to MacArthur now or Miramar High wow, School out yeah, west. Wow. So it's a whole different. It's a it's a really um conversation that we need to yeah. be able to uh to have. But then also talk about the importance of archiving and how this work of oral history is being able to find this information and be able to make and create content to educate people. So it's it's also to talk about as well and to mobilize people into archiving mm. well and and the economic impact yes. too um, generational impact is a lot a lot of times businesses come into areas like if a company wants to start they're like well what are the schools around here and then if there isn't schools like to to bring in people who are going to work for your company right they're going to put that business somewhere else mm-hmm. so if you're eliminating places where people can't sort of settle down because they're near a school where their family wants to send their children like that's an, another economic impact yeah. that's happening in those communities yeah. that, that you are mm-hmm. taking away. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you've interviewed um, and explored a lot of South Florida's black history is, and through this project, is there any interview that has stood out to you or surprised you the most um, while you've done this archiving recently? Oh my, I mean, there's so many. I mean, um, just recently I interviewed uh, Pastor Eric Jones. He is the, uh, uh, father of, of Senator Chevron Jones, um, who graduated class. We of love 65. Chev. Oh. Yeah, we love Chev. Shout out to Chevron Jones and shout out to Eric Jones as well. Yeah. He's a phenomenal man. He was the first mayor in West Park. Um, he was a, a, a very fascinating interview because, you know, he was when he was talking about his days in high school, he was like, well, I wasn't so perfect back then. I was, mm. you know, doing some of the same things y'all were doing now. <laughs> so it also humanized him. But then also there was many um, uh, great interviews that I've had, so many to to um, to name. Probably my favorite is when I interviewed uh, Mr. MacArthur Brown and his wife Maxine Brown. Mr. Mac- Mr. Brown graduated class of '63, and Miss Brown graduated class of '64, and they've been married since 1964. Aww. And they were talking about their you know their time together, you know, falling in love at Attics and mm-hmm. um, working together and, and and constantly growing as one. And they were talking about their times um, at Attics because, you know, there was different communities going to this one school. So Ms. Brown was from the Liberia area and Mr. MacArthur was from the Hallandale area. And he was talking about during those times, you know, you know, uh, if you're, if a, you know, from from Liberia to Hallandale, uh, like, like women from Liberia um, would oftentimes, like men from Liberia would oftentimes try to protect women from Liberia. They don't want mm-hmm. no other man talking to a Liberia woman who died from Hallandale. But he was talking about how a lot of times he had to fight almost all the time, you know, but he was really madly in love with this woman. And, you know, and it was just a real fascinating romantic story. But then there's also a lot of stories like with um, uh, Miss Bobby Grace, um, who was um, the former mayor of Dania Beach. And, you know, when she was talking about the schools was closing and how it was, um, Broward County was doing a lot of underhanded meetings. in regarding to closing the school, a lot of it was a way to not let the the the, the, the parents know, and that mm. and she was even blaming some of the parents of not being organized enough, mm-hmm. you know, um, and even kind of like 
drawing correlates of today with Marjorie Stoneman Douglas on how, you know, they're, they organized with their PTA meetings yeah. all the time. And that's how they were getting what they were having. And if they were able to do the same, maybe addicts would have still um, have been here. Yeah. But there was also not no representation with, with Broward County Public Schools. Yeah. Um, so there was some very uh, fascinating um interviews um to say but so many of them have stories that would oftentimes make me laugh a little bit sometimes even um blow my mind and i'll also say as well i'm sorry um mr henry graham from the library economic social development um when he was talking about the school was closing and how he was talking about how there were certain um um you know people of color from who were not from the community that was pushing a pro-integration while many from the people from the community was was trying to keep their schools yeah. and then he was also talking about the time that the impact of vietnam during that mm. time on how many of the the, the um, graduates from addicts many of the black men at that time was fighting in the vietnam war <laughs> so oh there wasn't really much representation to even really fight enough to organize because you had vietnam was happening yeah. right. and you had so many things worldwide the the, 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 the assassination of, of of um king in 68 you had mm. so much that was happening during that time and it was just a multitude of things. So um, it was it was a lot. <laughs> well, I feel like that's the, that's the same today. You know, we have a Florida legislator that legislature that's passing or trying, attempting to and passing crazy things. And and the, the lack of, of people, the pe- people being a, not able to organize to go right. because we're, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Number yeah. one, people, it's if you have a job, you're lucky and you're trying to hang on to it. Like there's so many other things that become very important and um, and you can't get organized to do to stop a lot of these things and and who can blame people you know what I mean it's just Mm -hmm. and I and I feel like that's taken advantage of you know Mm -hmm. because if nobody knows then you're like they'll they'll, they won't they can't stop it because they don't know it's even happening oh it's so sad so sad so what is next for you what project do you have a dream project you want to work on and um and bring to light what's your next thing that you want to do so, I mean, um, there is a couple screenings coming up for the film um, yes. on the 18th at uh, Destination Fish Drunk at the Circuit. That is Suite 101. Um, that is right across from the Eula Johnson House on Fish Drunk Boulevard. And there is another screening at on the 24th at Colonia Worship Center, which is Pastor Eric Jones Church. But what's next for me, um, besides the documentaries, is, is really just more so being able to make this mobile archive program um, fully sustainable in the sense that I can be able to mobilize and teach other people um, how to archive, how to wow. um, start, you know, being able to start doing oral history projects and being able to find um, a passion in that and utilize it in your own way. One can archive on Black LGBTQ history. One mm-hmm. can archive on Black um, criminal justice history or Black social life history or just any history or, right. you know, um, Latin culture, different things that one can do. And being able to utilize that in their own right. But so my goal is to be able to mobilize people in this mobile archive building program and make it fully sustainable to where we could have people traveling to St. Augustine or Tampa or Jacksonville and being able to, to cover and document the stories of black high schools that was that's no longer here mm-hmm. and be able to build and grow archives. So one of the, the things that um, Dr. Kitty Oliver told me is that um, I'm not the youngest person in Broward County to have my own special collections. I'm the youngest person in the state, and I'm wow. 33. That's Amazing. Not, that's I not, mean, it's amazing. 
incredible thank you it, it, it is amazing but at the same time it's like we i, I do want to mobilize more people yeah. to do that and i'm taking the steps now and i'm with um the african-american research library um i'm working in their special collections department right now through florida international university and with my intern we are working and learning the full scape the, the full um scape um scope i'm sorry of um we're learning the full scope of archiving, processing, digitizing. So wow. for me, it's important to learn these ins and outs to also be able to help pass that on to others. Mm. So for Nexus, for me, is just to be able to make this a fully uh, sustainable vehicle for myself personally uh, and my organization, the Black Orchid Foundation, but also for the impact and to be able to save the stories of those who, who are getting up in age and to tell their stories about their time that these had these high schools that's no longer here. Oh, it's a, a, amazing. The work you do is just so incredible and important. Oh, so important. And it should be in every school. Like, yeah. I, it would be incredible to have like every high school have, you know, a section of, of being able to access yes. this digitized history of, of their school or their or, area and view of this documentary. And view this documentary. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. really important. So yes. I'm so glad that we could have you on. I will be at one of those screenings. I'm not sure which one yet. Probably yes. the 18th. I will <laughs> see you there. And I'm I'm telling you, I got my kids that week. I think I'm going to bring my kids. <gasps> Yay! I mean, yeah, this is this them. is who we need to be yes. seeing these these movies and these documentaries, so they know the history of Broward County. This is where they're growing up. This yeah. is where they go to school. It's important, you know. Yeah. So I am so glad that you were on this podcast yes. again. Thank we, you. Thank you. Thank and you. And you know what else? You know, I love Broward County, and I love that we know people here who are doing incredible work. Yes. Like, that is incredible I to mean, me. I mean, this work that, is just yeah. incredible. And that Emmanuel George is in Broward and represents yes. Broward. Like, Woo. hell yes. Yes. <laughs> I, love it. I love it so much. Thank yes. you. Thank you. I'm oh. so, I'm, yeah, I'm just so honored. that it's, it's important to just share these stories. Oh, my gosh. Aww. It's incredible. I'm so proud of this. So yeah. thank you. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and good luck at the documentaries. I know it's going to be super successful. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Thank you. For sure. Thank you. I thank you all so much. All right. Have a good weekend. You too. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. If you want to learn more about this week's guest, please follow the episode notes on our blog at themuckpodcast.fireside.fm. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast and on Twitter at Muck Podcast. To support the Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level. Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do this without you.